Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 155, and we are dipping back down into the Lone Star State. Uh, but I believe, Coach, you are the first high school coach I've interviewed from Texas, uh, so that's a pretty cool deal. Uh, Demarcus James, the head boys basketball coach at Fort Worth O.D. Wyatt High School. Uh, really, really good program there. Coach James has done a lot of really good things. Got some really talented kids in his program right now. So we're really excited to talk to Coach James here. Uh, but first, uh, before we get going, of course, we want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you have an athlete or if you yourself are struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, uh, go out and check out Dr. Kevin and Dr. Heidi's office at 144th and Maple. Give them a call at 402-964-0300 or check out their practice at cosackchiro.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out a daily coaching tidbit on the Twitter handle. Haven't been able to do that much. Been really busy with our own season. Haven't been able to follow up with that as much as I would like. I'm going to try and get back to that more here, especially over the holiday break. Uh, but uh, check out a pen and a napkin on your Twitter Twitter handle there. Uh Obviously, if you're listening, you're on iTunes, so download, rate, review, give us five stars, subscribe if you would, please. Subscriptions are going up. I really appreciate folks subscribing instead of uh, just tapping on the Twitter handle there. And uh, But hey, ju- just get, tap on there so that we can help as many coaches as we can to hone their craft. Any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at napkin at gmail.com. Check out com. Really, really good coaching website. A lot of really good stuff on there for you. So check that out. Uh, enough of the advertising and, and thanking people and that type of thing. Coach James, uh, Demarcus James, uh, head boys basketball coach, Fort Worth, Texas, O.D. Wyatt High School. Coach, before we talk any basketball tonight, I want to lead with this question. Are you ready for this, sir? Yes, I am. Do you have tickets I to am. the Cotton Bowl yet? I don't have tickets yet, but I will be there front and center. Uh, <laughs> my, my little brother being the starting tight end at Tulane, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Actually. Uh, awesome deal, awesome deal. Um, and and they get to go up against one of the blue bloods in USC. Uh, what's what's little brother said about uh, the game as it's approaching? Well, he's super excited um, with it being uh, one of the honestly probably the biggest game in his football playing career. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of kind of a, a, a fairy tale type deal uh, with him actually going to Tulane and being a part of those first couple of recruiting classes for really Fritz and, you know, just kind of having a vision of, of being a part of a recruiting class that helped take that thing to New Heights and it's kind of bittersweet for this to be his last and final uh, game here at the Cotton Bowl. And, you know, with, with it being right up the street from us, it's, yeah. it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a, how far of a drive is it to you for, for you to uh, Jerry's World there? 15 minutes. Oh, 15 minutes. That, that yeah. is an easy drive. That's an easy, easy drive. drive. Yeah, so yeah. very cool. So, uh, well, now we've got the football talk out of the way here. Uh, DeMarcus, really excited to have you on the podcast this week here. Uh, excited to to uh, jump in and talk some hoops with you. Uh, I, you know, we'll kind of start out the way that we usually do with most of our guests. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell people about uh, your basketball journey, what's led you to Fort Worth, Texas, and, and O.D. Wyatt High School. And, uh, yeah, just tell us about, you know, what you've done and, and, and uh, how things are going. 
Well, I, I start from the beginning. I was born and raised uh, in Waco, Texas. Um, played and graduated at Waco High School. Uh, ended up walking on at UT Arlington mm-hmm. uh, back in 02, 03. That was my freshman year. I uh, ended up earning a scholarship before I graduated mm-hmm. and uh, was a part of that uh, first regular season uh, Southland Conference champion uh, in the 2003-2004 season. Uh, on that team <clears throat> and um, learned a lot um, you know made made a lot of connections made a lot of friends uh, and, and by the time I graduated uh, college one of my assistant coaches um, you know said that uh, he thought that I would make a great coach mm-hmm. and although my, my dad and I'll probably get to that at some point my dad was a a uh, great high school uh, coach in the state of Texas, also coaching college at the college level. Also, he had an influence on me in coaching. I just at, at that point I didn't think, you know, never thought about coaching. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was just like any other kid. You know, thought I was going to have a chance to make the NBA. Yep. You know, at some point, like every kid that doesn't make it, you know, it kind of reality kind of sets in, mm-hmm. and uh, you have to figure out what you're going to do next. And you know, I thought about it, and and was going to go and do a uh, graduate year um, after I graduated as a grad assistant. Mm-hmm. But I ended up getting a job in my degree on uh, the finance and uh, figured out really quick <laughs> after a year that yeah, nah, this, this isn't something that I want to do. And I just felt like something was missing. Okay. And, uh, you know, call, contacted a few of my, my playing buddies and coaches that I played for and reached out and um, ended up going to meet with Rodney McFadden, who was the head coach at Odie Wide at the time. Uh, he had an assistant spot open. Okay. And uh, a year, uh, two years out after I graduated uh, from undergrad and I was graduating with my graduate degree, uh, he hired me at uh, Wide as his assistant coach, uh, varsity coach and a JV head coach. Okay. And, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history. Ended up being the assistant coach for five years. Um, we kind of turned the program around. Uh, when I was an assistant, went from, you know, not making a playoffs the first two years, winning single-digit games uh, both years, to um, competing for the national championship those next two years, uh, making it to the playoffs, winning a game or two. Um, and then uh, when he ended up taking another job after that fifth year, uh, we did such a good job turning the program around that they offered me uh, the head coaching position. Mm-hmm. And how many years have you been the head coach? Uh, this is my ninth year. Gotcha. This is my ninth year as a head coach. Gotcha. All right. Um, you, uh, we, you, a lot of people look at the state of Texas, and it is synonymous, of course, with, with football. And you throw mm-hmm. in the Friday Night Lights and the – the the legendary stories of everything uh, that 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 is associated with high school football in Texas, uh, right. but there's a lot of really really good high school basketball in in it Texas is. as well. Talk to uh, you know for the folks that maybe um, you know it's, they think of Indiana or Kentucky or or Illinois or you know some other states so to speak uh, Southern California as hotbeds of of really good high school basketball uh, Texas. Texas is, is, is pulling their own weight. You know, UT uh, has had a really, really good year this year. Um, 
you know, Baylor won the national championship a couple years ago on the women's side, Texas A&M and Texas have been good, you know, uh, you know, so, so tell us a little bit, just give us a plug for the Texas high school scene. Well, the Texas, uh, Texas basketball, high school basketball, grassroots basketball, which some's call it, uh, is very, very talent rich. Uh, it's always really kind of been that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, like you said, it's always been known for its football athletes, but some over the last 20 years or more, um, you know, it's, Texas has become more and more known for its talent in basketball. I mean, if you look at uh, a lot of college rosters um, across the state, you're going to see a Texas kid on there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most successful college rosters, and you know, there's going to be multiple Texas kids on there. So, you know, it's, especially in the the metropolitan areas in Texas, you know, your, your DFW, which is Dallas-Fort Worth, mm-hmm. Houston area, uh, San Antonio, Austin, even out in West Texas, El Paso, mm-hmm. up near Lubbock and Amarillo. Like the, the talent across the board is is very, very good. I, I'll give you a story, a quick story on that. You know, when I first became head coach, we went out and played uh, in a lot of different uh, competition and a lot of different uh, states and, uh, and one I do remember is going to play in Memphis and you know Memphis Tennessee is known for his basketball you bet yeah and uh, you know we played a couple games there but as I was there I realized and I was just a young head coach at the time I realized I'm like hey man like the the talent here they're good but it's really not that much more different than Dallas or Fort Worth mm-hmm. or going down to Houston mm-hmm. and uh, you know we, we don't have to spend all that money we can just stay right here and go find the best of the best and play the best of the best and and sharpen our iron here. But, no, man, I mean, the, the, you can look at it like it's so many guys that come out of uh, Texas in general that, you know, guys get overlooked. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have multiple kids that, you know, on a Division two junior college rosters, NAIA rosters, Division three that, can really play basketball, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, you look at them and think, oh, well, you know, you weren't the top this in the state and that, but no, it's, it's, it's very, very talentless, man. Just look at the NBA rosters, you know, yep. the NBA rosters too. Yep. You know, it's a lot of, a lot of representation of Texas guys and it's only going to continue to get better what, as the years go on. What do you think keyed that turn about 15, 20 years ago? Well, I mean, it, it probably happened a little bit before. Sure. Um, with uh, I know, and I hear the stories because my dad coached back back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear the stories about how everything was kind of football centric, yep, and football driven in terms of the high schools here. Uh, they wouldn't allow uh, gyms to be open and things of that nature for the summer times, and you know, guys had to find other ways, you know, to go play mm-hmm. uh, basketball, but. The more and more that became a year-round thing here in Texas, um, around the time, you know, the, the state associations allowed high school coaches to open up the gyms, and then uh, the summer ball AAU scene started to get bigger. And when they started allowing uh, teams and players to uh, play as high school teams and or play and travel outside of the state mm-hmm. uh, well, with their AAU teams or grassroots teams, it just by nature – you know, kind of started to turn and change. Mm-hmm. And the guys that naturally play football, you know, would also play basketball. And then on top of that, Texas is such a 
uh, I wouldn't call it a destination, but it's a great place to live. You know, no state tax. Sure. Things of that nature. People move in uh, and migrate to Texas as well. So it's just all that is kind of a perfect storm. Uh-huh. Uh, if you look at it as the natural evolution goes of the high school athlete here. Yeah, I, and I, I won't say anything, uh, but it was like 14 degrees in Omaha today. So uh, yeah, that, right. that, might be, <laughs> that might be a reason as well. It's great weather, too. Great yeah, weather. exactly. <laughs> um, you, you, you talked about uh, you, you made the trip up to Memphis, and you know, you're looking to challenge yourself, and then you kind of looked around and like, well, we don't even need to do that. And we were kind of talking a little bit before we got started, Demarcus, about uh, – the schedule you've played so far this year uh, you've really challenged yourself you've really challenged your team and you know what is the 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 overriding purpose for that how do you think that's going to help you down the line well i've always been of the tom Izzo kind of scheduling um mm-hmm. philosophy that we'll play anybody anywhere anytime and what it does is first of all you got to have a, a team that can kind of handle that. You know, you got to be careful with that. You got to kind of look at your guys, look at your group, and uh, see, hey, is this a team that we may have to schedule uh, a little bit easy early on? We got some young guys, got to get them some experience. Or do you have an older group, which we do. We have nine seniors uh, and a lot of returners. You have an older group that may, you know, you want to challenge yourselves and see where you are pretty early. And uh, we had a lot of expectations coming in uh, this season. Uh, like you said, we have a lot of talented guys. We have a few Division One uh, level talented guys, mm-hmm. and also some other levels too. So we just want to early on. We want to see where we are and playing a tough schedule like that. You know, it just it helps you work on all the things that you may not see when you get to a district which you can't control, or you know, when you get to the playoffs. You don't want to wait until you get to the playoffs to push yourself and, and play in a playoff uh, style type atmosphere. You want to uh-huh. kind of figure it out early. That yeah. way you, you spend the whole season on working on that. And another thing that it does is it, it prepares you for uh, conference or district play. Uh-huh. You know, it, it, you play at a different speed and a different pace and a different level when you're going against your uh, your Columbuses out of uh, Florida, Miami with the Bougie Twins or your Faye Family Academy, which is also a top team in the country mm-hmm. here right out of Texas, or uh, you know, playing against your Benville West out of Arkansas, which is a top five, six, eight team in Arkansas. You know, it's, it's different. Some of those, you don't see those type of teams until you get deep in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it can give you some confidence. It also can be a lot of learning yep. as well moving forward. Does, does it help you... Uh really sort out your team sort out your roles sort out your rotations that type of stuff as you you know you're trying to narrow down okay who who are going to be my top seven seven or eight guys you know however many kids you played marcus uh you know is that part of the process as well of course yeah you, you see early on um who you can kind of depend on and who you kind of need to kind of develop um once the schedule starts to lighten up Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you see, you work on different situations on if certain guys in foul trouble, you know, uh, the guy may go down to uh ankle roll or the guy yeah. may be out sick. You, you just kind of, again, like it's, it's very, uh, easy to see early on, you know, and, and it's better to see that early on than getting to the playoffs 
and uh, you're trying to figure out that rotation versus playing, you know, a schedule versus teams that you feel really good about winning and you're supposed to beat. And then you have guys, you know, doing things that necessarily won't work against, you know, better teams and better talented teams. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, of course, it, it definitely helps you iron out that uh, rotation. It shows guys pretty early what they need to work on and uh, to get better at. Yep. Um, one of the things that I thought was really cool about your, your Twitter, uh, and and I'm guessing you have uh, kids or other people that put all of this together, but, uh, boy, you got you guys, you guys got some really cool stuff with your, with your hype videos and the way that you highlight your kids. Uh, you know, what, uh, who's kind of the brainchild behind that? How does that help your program? Uh, how does that help, uh, get kids about excited about basketball at, uh, at Wyatt high there? Uh, cause I, I, I'm ready to suit up for you, coach. I mean, you, you don't want me to suit up, but I'm ready to suit up for you. You know, so, so what's, what's part of the method of the madness when it comes to that type of stuff? Well, I try to do everything, um, as closely related as college. Um, you know, guys have uh, aspirations of going to go play at the next level. Um, you know, I think it, it's very important to try to prepare them for that. And also, you know, it, like I said, it, it helps kind of sell your program, um, market it, and, and, you know, get guys like yourself to kind of notice and pay attention. It's just kind of like an exposure piece, and it's very vital. I believe to uh, to any business. I, I kind of treat it like a business. You know, mm-hmm. business is my background, my degree, uh, finance, and then um, I got my MBA also. So I, I, I treat everything like it's a business in, in that regards in terms of advertising. But no, I'm, I'm a lot of it is my vision. Okay. Um, I've always I've gotten better at it over the year. Uh, I do all of the the graphics myself uh, with the Photoshop and everything. Uh, we do have a social media team as far as uh, the hype video and the, uh, the videographer and the photography, we do have that. And we just all kind of come together and um, throw ideas off each other and kind of have a vision for what we're looking for. And, and we just try to post as much as possible. And, and you know, it's kind of slowed down a little bit since the season has started. Sure. Um, but, but no, you know, I, I believe it's very vital. Uh-huh. Um, to to any high school program uh-huh. or any program in general. Uh-huh. Want to know more about a pen and a napkin and all the resources it offers? Go to a pen and a a great resource for any coach at any level. In addition to our a pen and a napkin university video library options that are available to order, we have hundreds of pages of notes from one page handouts to book breakdowns to original coaching notes. We also have coaching links a full catalog of every A Pen and a Napkin podcast, and ways to contribute to the growth of A Pen and a Napkin. Apenandanapkin.com is a coaching resource that will help you become a better coach. Uh, you know, kind of piggybacking on that, uh, you know, you've got some kids, uh, you got a two or three horses, dude. <laughs> and and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure you've been part of the uh, recruiting process with those kids. Uh, what 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 has been your role? How do you, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, how do you help expose your kids? What you what do you feel like the role is of the high school coach to help their players find opportunities at the next level, whether they're Division One or or JUCO or everything in between? Well, I think the high school coach has plays a very vital, important role. Um, 
you know. And also, I think that it's very vital for the high school coach to be on the same page with um, the, the summer coach and also the parents, uh, most importantly, the parents mm-hmm. and the child. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of the things I believe in, I've always believed in. Again, I hate to keep bringing my dad into it, but it's something that he did. He yeah. he was a big part of high school basketball and summer grassroots basketball. Um, you know, having his own AU program uh, with Wally Coach. So I'm of the mode of I also coached mm-hmm. uh, high-level AU back in the day and uh, before I became head coach. So it's it's all the same to me. Mm-hmm. It's all the same to me. And, you know, I, I, I truly believe that uh, – you know, it's important for me as a high school coach because the guys are with me nine months out of the year, mm-hmm. uh, eight to nine months out of the year. So we spend the most time with them of, of all parties other than their parents. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, you, know, you know, it's just important to develop that trust. It's important to be be honest. Uh, you know, I don't make any decisions for any kids. Uh, I try to use all my connections to um, help put those guys in the correct position and the place to uh, to be able to go to school, and I think we've done a good job of that. Mm-hmm. How how important is it as you're reaching out? Uh, you know, you, you got Timmy Smith on your team, and mm-hmm. and you know, you don't want you want you want Timmy to go as high as he possibly can, uh, but you don't want to oversell a kid. And, and put them in a situation where they're not going to have the best opportunity to be successful. And, you know, just how important is it to be honest with college coaches, I guess, would be the would be the, the, the way I want to word this question that I totally screwed up, DeMarcus. So I apologize for no, that. Right. But, but right. yeah, but, you know, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, how do you balance that where, hey, I, I would love to have this kid play at a Division One. But they're really probably a Division two kid. Do I, you know, how do you, how do you say that? How do you sell that to a to a college team that you you might be thinking, hey, I, I really don't know if this kid is really suited for your level or or that type of thing. Well, honestly, my gauge and it's a little different. Um, I try to always look at the kid and see, hey, could this kid have been a teammate with? with me at UT Arlington because okay. this kid had made it in the Southland Conference, which was honestly a low major Division One conference at the time. Yep. And I kind of gauge their talent level, their everyday work habits, uh, their potential, their ceiling. I kind of gauge that from their production. I kind of gauge that from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, from then on, you know, I kind of start placing the kid in my mind which level that I think he can be successful at based on all those factors. And then that's when I start to kind of reach out and, and put, push the kid to, and then, you know, when it comes to having those conversations, I'm, I'm as honest as possible because yeah. the last thing you want is you, you know, you want to lie to a college coach and, and say, well, Hey, this kid is this and he's that. And, and the kid gets there and he's not that because all it's going to do is, hurt the uh the next kid that you may be trying to help with that certain situation or if that coach goes to you know another institution or another level mm-hmm. and later on he's you know he's gonna always remember that so mm-hmm. now, it's, it's very important to be honest um and that's kind of the uh way that i gauge things and 
yeah, you want to you want to kind of sell a kid and just truthfully, you know, college coaches they know that yeah, us as high school coaches are 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 kind of biased to the kid, but you know, I you can kind of hear it, and the guys guys are are, are veterans in terms of recruiting. You can kind of hear it in the voice if if a coach is really kind of genuine on sure on, on how good a kid is. Mm-hmm. But no, no, it's it's very important. Um, and that's just kind of the way that we, we handle things and I handle things mm-hmm. in terms of recruiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, don't want to tear at the scar tissue too much here, uh, Coach, but uh, y- you had a very unique situation. Uh, the end of the 21 season, your, your, the end of your 21 season ended in a very, very difficult manner. You had a you had a technical foul called on your team with about five or six seconds left in a game that uh, it was tied, I believe, and uh you know just kind of go through what happened um and, and uh, i i saw on the news clip with it you had said that you had never seen that situation i actually uh saw it happen one time as well in a state tournament game it was a state semifinal game uh that the same situation rolled out uh and and, and you know just what did you learn from it in the sense of how do you uh how do you talk to a team after such a a gut wrenching loss. You know what's what. You know how much did that test your leadership and your and your belief in the. You know, are the basketball gods really on our side and so forth and so on. I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I, I really struggled uh, with that for a while, mm-hmm. as far as uh, you know, just my kind of psyche. You know, that year, I really thought that we prepared ourselves for every possible situation. Yep. I mean, you name it. Um, if, if you can kind of go back and look at the game field for that, you know, we were ready for that particular situation because we had practiced it so many times uh, in terms of having a ball with a few seconds left and needed to get a basket. We had a particular sideline out of bounds, which where that's where we were going to get it, um, which we had never ran, but we practiced it every single day. Uh-huh. And, uh, but, but, Never in my lifetime would I have ever thought that uh, that happened was that was going to happen because, like I said, I have never been a part of that type of situation. Never seen it. And then you look at it; um, it was during the COVID times. Yep. And the benches are spread out, which makes everything kind of closer to the baseline, which is where it all kind of happened. Sure. And um, you know, you know, like I know our, our kids watch the NBA. And at that time, you know, the NBA guys celebrating on the baseline and they step out a couple of steps out on the floor. And, uh, you know, it just, they were just kind of seeing, you know, kind of first seeing what they, you know, what they see every day when they watch those NBA games. But nevertheless, I, um, it, 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 to answer your question, it did test my leadership. Um, you know, I had to, kind of get myself together mm-hmm. um i'm glad they didn't put a camera <laughs> or uh, <laughs> a microphone in front of my, my my face at the end of the game uh, 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 um, that, that was it was it was a nice blessing to have those masks on yeah. during that season because you could say a whole lot of stuff under your breath and nobody could read right. your lips yeah yeah right right yeah. so no i'm glad they didn't uh and you know i was able to kind of kind of look at it and, and, and think about everything and, and take it for what it's worth and you know, we went the the route that we went. You know, I didn't want to blame anybody. I didn't think it was anybody's fault. 
Um, I didn't blame the official. You know, I, I double-checked. The official had every right to make the call that he made. Yep. I uh, wish he wouldn't have made it, but he had every right to make the call he made. And it just was a teaching moment at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, my whole thing was just to kind of, because, you know, the fans and the community, you know, were, were kind of on the kids. And you you see on social media back and forth, uh, you know, blaming the kids and, and you know, being on them and blaming assistant coaches and saying assistant coaches' job were to keep the kids off the uh, off the floor. And, you know, it was nobody's fault at that point. Mm-hmm. Nobody's fault. I just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that those kids, you know, poured their heart out and, you know, for it to come down like it came, you know, those guys were celebrating. You know, yeah. it was just, it was an honest mistake. And, you know, yeah. sometimes things doesn't work out for you in life. Yeah, but you got to take the good uh, with the bad, and and just enjoy the journey, and learn from it. And, and those guys will forever remember that season, you yeah. know, especially that twenty one group. They were the the most winningest group. They're the most winningest group in terms of wins and conference championships in school history. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, they they'll forever have a bond. It didn't end like we wanted it to end, uh, but you know, they'll forever have a bond. They'll forever remember that moment, and I will too. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a tough situation, you know, from the clips that I saw online. Um, that you know, there wasn't any taunting, nothing unsportsmanlike. It was just genuine excitement, and you get caught up in a big game in a playoff game, and and uh, but that's the call that the official kind of has to make if they're going to follow the rule book. And, and it, it was just a, it was just a tough deal. I, I I was as I was watching, I was like, oh man, I. I really feel for coach here because it's and and i thought you handled it really really well um you know so it's it's uh it's just kind of one of those weird situations that um you know unfortunately you were on the other side of it but if you do this job long enough something crazy is going to happen and you'll be on the other side of it uh down the line here coach i have a lot of faith in that so Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. All right, Coach here. At this time, uh, we're going to kind of change up. Uh, we're going to, uh, each, each week at this time, we have our John Wooden quote of the day. Um, and this week, uh, because I have been crazy busy with my own team. I did not have a chance to go to my usual well of John Wooden quotes, uh, Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, the book that Coach Wooden wrote years and years and years ago. Uh, But I do have a good John Wooden quote of the day here. Uh, I'm going to read this off, and I'll give you a chance to to talk about it, Coach James. Is that all right with you? That's fine. All right. So the John Wooden quote of the day is, Talent is God-given. Be humble. Fame is man-given, be grateful. Conceit is self-given, be careful. That's spot on. That's spot on. It's actually very similar to uh, one of my favorite quotes. It's, it's 
quotes of confidence is the uh, difference between good and great. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to use that one. Okay. If you don't mind, if you can see me that, I'm going to I'm going to use that and talk to my guys about that. Okay, that's a good one. Uh, good. Hey, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. Uh, I like your. What did you say? Confidence is the difference between good and great. Yep, I got that from the great Charles Sir Charles Barkley. Okay. <laughs> You know yep. what? We're, I'm going to steal that from you. So now we're even. So, yes, sir. Yeah. So, um, all right. Uh, let's jump into to some of your philosophy here, Coach. Uh, oh, transition offense, getting out, moving the ball, getting it up and down the floor here. Uh, at this point, I'm just going to give you a chance to talk here, Coach. Uh, if I've got a question, I'll try to politely uh, interrupt you. Uh, as politely as I can, uh, but just kind of go into how you teach transition offense there at Wyatt High and, and what you guys are doing to, to to push the ball and get some easy baskets. So we start out um, everything from ones to twos to threes to fours to fives, um, and 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 a drill that we use every day. Uh, we first started out; it was uh, using using it about fifteen minutes a day, mm-hmm. but it both works on transition offense and. Uh, transition defense but uh, the key in on the transition offense part you know started out uh, you have one guy on the uh, the one baseline and you have another guy at half court and uh, you have a group let's say we use a white and blue because that's our color we have a white group on one end and a blue group on, on another end and it's five down and five on other and uh, if you have more than that you have the other group on the, on the side waiting to go so we'll start off one on one you know you got with the basketball comes down uh, goes uh, on the guy one on one just kind of simulate the game situation if it's a one on one transition situation and then the guy either scores or doesn't score has to get back and then one other guy comes down on the that's two blues coming down versus that uh, one one white. Mm-hmm. So now you're working on um, your your primary break situation where you have numbers. Uh, you're two on one, mm-hmm. and of course, you know you have your certain philosophies with that. Uh, you know, running wide and drawing a defender and, and laying it up, getting the easy layup, or uh, you know, make you only have so many seconds to get it because you have other guys coming down. Uh, so we all, we also give – I was watching the practice at Kansas State uh, this past preseason, and they were giving a guy seven seconds, I believe, or eight seconds, I'm sorry, eight, eight seconds because they did the same drill that we've been doing. And uh, they give guys eight seconds to make a, a decision and score in full court on that fast break. Okay. So after those two – uh, score ideally then mm-hmm. they're sprinting back to what you call the I and so I guess I'm talking a little bit of transition defense now yeah. they're sprinting back to the I you, know, you have one guy up top his job is to make sure he stops the basketball and we like to stop it kind of above the volleyball line um, so they're not just getting a straight line drive and getting deep in territory to us and then it's the next guy which is at the bottom of the aisle and their tandem takes the next pass it's just old school basic, you know, transition defense mm-hmm. versus the three coming down. Uh, one guy up top, two guys running out wide on the wing, and um, reversing it, you know, passing it to one wing, and that guy trying to make a play and and dropping it off to the next guy if that 
top guy doesn't rotate back. Now, offensively, ideally, we, we teach the top guy in that three. So if you're coming down a three-on-two situation and you're running your lanes like you're supposed to, whatever side that the guy's on the ball in the middle passes it to, uh, it needs to shade right around that elbow to slot top of the key uh, area. That way, if the defense does a good, a good job in transition and stops that pass and rotates back, you have a, a shorter passing angle and a passing lane to get back to. And so in the drill, uh, of course, we want to get the uh, best basket possible, the easiest basket possible within those eight seconds. Mm-hmm. So after that, that three transitions back to the other side of the floor defensively to a triangle. Um, and which is one guy up top stopping the basketball and two kind of around the block areas, sprint to the paint, then coming out. Mm-hmm. And then the four is coming down. Now that kind of gets closely related to the, the, the teeth of what we want to do in transition offense. So now you go from your primary fast break to closely related to your secondary fast break. So that four, now we have those two guys that get out and run wide on the wings and their job is to run and touch that baseline and then come up. Mm-hmm. You know, we want to get, cause ideally we want to pitch that ball ahead. You mm-hmm. know, we want to pitch it ahead and have them catch it around that wing area. Yep. That way they can attack and get to the basket. But if they don't get it, then they touch that baseline and then they come back up. So then you have your guy on the ball. We want to, we, we teach to try to push to the nail elbow area. That's what we try. If we can't pitch it ahead, we try to get to that nail or elbow area uh, within, you know, one or two dribbles if you can. Three three max. Mm-hmm. And then you have a guy trailing. Okay. So now at that time, we're playing four and three. And now, you know, you either pitch it ahead to the right wing or the left wing, depending on where you are. Or you reverse it to the trail. Or if, you know, the defense doesn't get back, you, you take it all the way to the basket. So now that four gets back defensively after the score or non-score, and now you have your five coming. And we have one guy. We fortunately, we have a, a seven-footer. Uh-huh. Uh, Saw and that. we have another backup center. So we teach rim run because we actually have a big. Uh, we teach guy to rim run and try to pitch it ahead to that guy mm-hmm. if it's there. And then that's just an additional guy that's added into the four, uh, which I just kind of went over the four. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you have eight seconds of scoring that. So you got your pitch ahead, your pitch ahead, um, your rim run, or you re- you're reversing to the trail. And then, uh, you know, you only have eight seconds because you want to score when you have numbers. Now it's five on five after that when they come back. Now we get into what we really are trying to do offensively. And uh, the way we teach it is, is that of sort, it, you know, kind of what I talked about. We pitch it ahead first. If we don't have numbers, you know, as far as the primary goes, the the threes, the twos, and ones. If we fours and fives, we want to pitch it ahead. We want to hit the guy on the rim run if we can. If he does a good job of running down, uh, rim running and he goes and seals his man, we want to throw it into the post. Uh, after that post, anytime we throw it into the post, it's an automatic screen away, automatic, no matter where on the floor you are, where you post entry pass. Even if it's at the high post, you're going to automatically screen away. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, after that, you know, I have a, a few set transition, kind of quick hitters in transition that we do. Oh. The first one 
is something that I think is universal, uh, which is the drag screen. Yep. Um, you know, and honestly, sometimes a big doesn't do a good job at rim running. So it's easy to get a drag screen called in transition and then, then him rolling hard to the uh, block to post mm-hmm. um, after that. And then uh, we also will do what we call a twist. So if it's a, a situation to where we plan a team that switches and uh, they didn't switch on that first drag, we'll twist it. And set another set track. Yep. Yeah, so we call that twist. I'll, I'll call it out, and uh, and we're kind of playing out of that. So that's kind of our first look initially, after the basic pitch ahead, memory run, post. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we have uh, some dribble drive options. You know, dribble drive motion options, which we'll call uh, nail, and that means you know the guy at the point is dribbling to the nail to initiate the transition offense. Then he's pitching to the trail guy, which a lot of times our best player is Miles Rixie right now. He's a, a Troy commit in Troy signing. Six, five, six, six, uh, combo guard, but we'll put him at that trail spot a lot. Okay. Cause he's really good off the bounce. So mm-hmm. our point guard will get to that nail and pitch it to him and allow him to come off kind of with a full head of steam to make plays out of that. And this is, again, this is all in transition. And, and by the way, in that drill, we give them 14 to 15 seconds mm-hmm. to allow them to get to these quick options other than going into eight seconds. So it forces um, that it forces that pace, and they've got yeah. to think a little bit as well. So Right. Yep. And unfortunately, we don't play with a shot clock here in Texas, which I would love to because mm-hmm. it would force the tempo all the time. Uh, but we naturally want to play fast and – Again, that prepares the kids for the next level. Now, they, they're not doing it as good as it should be. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, if you're playing at a, a high, like watching Kansas State, for example, it's got they got high major players. So, yeah, of course, they're better, bigger, faster, stronger athletes, and it's going to look a lot better. But the kids get used to it after a while. You know, we, we've done it since the beginning of school. And, uh, you know, they look a lot better in the decision-making process when it comes to that. Uh-huh. Uh, but to add a little bit more into as far as the dribble drive goes, we also have, I'll give you two more things. Um, instead of getting to the nail, we'll call uh, chess. And that's, let's say again, I'll use Miles as an example. He's, a lot of times guys will like face guard him. And uh, him at that trail spot, if, we, if my point guard taps his chest, that's telling him to basket cut hard to the ball side, which I was always taught and we try to teach the best time to drive is off of a cut because it opens up a driving lane. And with them keying in on miles in which, the, you know, them denying them, face guarding them, that opens up the floor for our guard to come right off him and drive and either draw uh, the bigs, guy to help, which is our seven-footer, and they can just dump it off to him if the team doesn't rotate quickly. Or, uh, you know, draw the shooter in that corner, draw his man, and he can pitch it to him for uh, an easy shot. Or also opens it up for him to drive if neither one of those work. Uh And then uh, lastly, 
and this is kind of a, like an NBA set type thing we'll call pistol. And we can run that on the left side, the middle side, or the uh, right side of the floor. Uh, and all that is, it's, it's a fake chest. It's like uh, Miles or the trail guy is running like he's going to basket cut, and he'll stop at the nail and pop right back up and catch it between that free throw line and the top of that key area. And uh, the point guard is almost like a give and go. He's passing it and he's trying to pistol it right off. Oh, I he's got running you. right off of that guy. Yep, yep. Okay. And uh, it just puts us back into that motion uh-huh. of, uh, you know, transition. But that's, those are our basic transition offense uh, concepts. And we spend a lot of time on that early on just to get those things down and get those guys used to knowing where to run. And then we back up out of that as far as teaching sets and, uh, you know, press breaks and things of that nature. Transition offense is is very key. Transition offense, defense is something that we work on from day one and we just continue throughout Mm -hmm. the entire season. How, uh, you know, two hour practice, how how long are you finished or how long are you working on transition? Early on, uh, probably about 30 minutes wow. early okay. on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30 minutes transition, 30 minutes defense, well, 40 minutes defense, mm-hmm. um, 40 minutes offense, and then the remaining time we're just kind of scrimmaging. But uh, the the longer the season gets, um, you know, like once we get into district deep in or conference, like halfway in the conference, we – we're going an hour and a half tops sure. because you pretty much have everything in and, and you just scouting report and fine-tuning things mm-hmm. um, and just staying sharp. Yep. Well, speaking of uh, getting things in, I'm excited here. Uh, nobody ever nobody ever selects sideline out-of-bounds plays, Demarcus, and you selected sideline out-of-bounds plays to talk about here. So I am excited to talk sideline out-of-bounds plays with you tonight here. So – uh, tell us a little bit about what you do uh, in those situations. Uh, I'm guessing uh, mainly offense, but if you if you've got anything to add on your your defensive philosophy on sideline out of bounds plays, uh, you know, like I said, just let us let it rip here, and I'll try to politely interrupt if I've got questions. So we we try to base everything based on personnel. Um, a lot of times, especially in high school basketball, I think. Of, big percentage of high school basketball is kind of played in a, a flow, freedom of movement, um, pace, transition type, you know, plays. And then everything else after that is kind of your sets, your after timeouts, uh, your quick hitters, your adjustments, and your baseline inside and out of bounds. And um, a philosophy that I have is I try to run – I give myself about three options, and it's the same thing with my half-court sets, too. I give myself three things, and I base those three things based on my best three players and what their strengths are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, we have you know a dynamic wing score and uh, miles right now, and then we have a, a seven-foot, you know, around-the-basket, skilled, you know, they can pop out and shoot, guy and, and Nick Connor. And then we also have a, a, a shooter that does well coming off of screens and off the move um, guy in uh, DJ Thomas right now. So I try to pick three things and uh, kind of mold them around those guys. And one thing that I do is um, you would never notice that I have court set 
the same three half court sets. We just rerun it as out on out of bounds plays. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for years, uh, I I used the kind of universal everybody kind of uses the Iverson cut. Um, and, and we'll call we call this play shake. And um, initially, you know, when I taught it, I taught it as a, a, a half court set out of horns. Okay. And um, you know, of course, it's the Iverson cut. The the one guy comes off of the two screens up top, while the the other wing guy goes to the opposite side. And um, you kind of kind of hitting that guy based on. If the uh, defender is treading them, you, you hit them on the, the quick rip through kind of Allen Iverson to get to the rim. Or if the guy is going underneath, then you have the uh, first big, he's going to slip it, automatic slip to the rim, which gets us a lot of easy baskets. And then the second big comes and actually sets the, uh, the screen, the pick and roll, two-man game. Uh, but we'll, we'll run that out of a, a box or a diamond set um, in the sideline out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it just makes it easier. You don't have to teach so much. Yeah. You know what I mean? The same sets that you run, you know, you can mask it uh, with different formations, but it's, it's the same thing. So it may look like we're running a million different things, but no, it's actually mm-hmm. <laughs> like two or three things. And then you have your counters Yep. to those, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and maybe in college, you may have to get to a counter to the counter, but high school basketball, a lot of times, you don't. They, you got one, and if they take that away, then you got your counter. They're not going to take away that counter. You know, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't have any. There's not very many silent out-of-bounds um, sets, you know, with that. So that's that's just the philosophy that I use. Uh, I use the NBA a lot mm-hmm. for silent out-of-bounds. I think the NBA – well, I know NBA is is perfect for any coach that wants to improve his silent out of bounds game because I mean that's they're the best best league in the world in terms of basketball and they don't do any baseline out of bounds plays. Everything's silent out of bounds. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I uh, I I was I was gonna say you know the the teaching part of it that that has to just just help simplify everything for your kids and and you can by simplifying stuff like that, does that help you add stuff when you need to add stuff later on down the line, if you need to? Yeah, absolutely. So I always have, like I said, the, the kind of the counter that we talked about, and then we do have a counter to the counter. Uh, so I'll just kind of maybe talk through a, another side of the bounce that we have and just kind of explain to you on that. So it's, we got this one from the Indiana Pacers uh, a few years back. It's another box set, and it's a low baseline out of bounds set. So there is a a long baseline out of I mean sideline out of bounds and a low sideline out of bounds set. Mm-hmm. This is a low sideline out of bounds set. It's a box set, and basically you have your two bigs at the elbows and your point guard on the ball side block and your uh, shooting guard on the opposite side block, and then you have your best scorer taking it out. And uh, that ball side – elbow big screens for that point guard and that point guard just make a straight line uh up towards half court and um another thing just kind of caveat i i truly they can't do this in nba but high school basketball i i have a pet peeve about if it's anywhere close to half court just throw it in the backcourt okay don't 
don't put that point guard in a situation where he has to catch a tough pass while he's defending pretty tough at that half court line because we've almost lost when I was assistant. We almost lost the playoff game like that. We turned it over in the late in the game by uh, trying to pass it right there in front of half court. So always, you know, be on the same page with the point guard, of course. Point guard has a seal and pop open. Uh, but pass it in the backcourt and give yourself some time and some space. But uh, going back to the, to the Pacers, what we call it, uh, the point guard uh, flashes closer towards the half-court area. And then the uh, backside or the weak side uh, big screens down for the shooter, and the shooter pops up with them kind of on the slot wing area on the opposite side. So we throw it into the point guard, and the best score uh, comes off of uh, – stagger screen on that weak side, which the point guard reverses it to uh, oh. the shooting guard and and the shooting guard reverses it to the, the best score. Now, after all that's happened, that one big is after they set the stagger, then you have a, a cross screen getting set for our best big man score, and then that opposite big is flashing to the high ball. So it's just kind of a mm-hmm. different action. And, and that, again, we run that also Mm-hmm. as a half-court set as well. Yeah. So the counter to that is, you know, a lot of times teams will take your point guard away. And uh, we call it point guard not open, but it's just it's the same play. They may think it's a different play, but it's the same play. After the big sets that screen and sees that the point guard is not open on ball side, he just flashes straight line to the ball. And um, the uh, out-of-bounds guy throws it into him and then then we're into our pistol set that I talked to you about earlier as far as transition. Now we're, okay. now we're in a pistol. Because yep. now that guy's coming off of that pass immediately and, and what does kids normally do, the guy that's on the ball and you see where you throw it, they, they for turn. a split second, they, they turn, turn it head. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And that, that play probably has about a 90% efficiency rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting a great shot off of that because you got, you know, guys running away from the ball with the screening actions on the opposite side and we sneak in and go get a, a easy basket to that. So uh-huh. uh, that that's that. And then, you know, you just kind of add whatever you need um, as far as uh, counter to counter to that, you know, and just, you know, it, it, it just, like you said, it makes it easier. Uh-huh. It's something that the guys know, like the back of their mind, and and when you're able to throw another wrinkle in there, like we've added a, a kind of a fade screen to that on that backside after that point guard is not open, and we get it to that guy, kind of a fade screen, and then it's a drift pass to that backside corner if we need a three. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So it's just a bunch of different things that you can play with yep. uh, when it comes to that. Yep. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. 
It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Let's wrap up with this, Demarcus. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about your off-season philosophy, uh, your off-season setup, uh, what you do to help improve your kids in the off-season, so forth and so on. Uh, how How do you have things set up there for your program? Well, here in the state of Texas, uh, we're allowed to uh, uh, do strength and conditioning mm-hmm. um, for six weeks in the summer. Okay. And uh, we're also allowed to do uh, basketball-specific skills for two hours a week, uh, spread it out over the four days, Monday through Thursday, however you like, uh, where we can actually be on the floor and um, not necessarily practice, but just kind of teach and just yep. do individual skills. Skill, um, skill development, yep. Yeah, skill development. Yep. So, uh, you know, I'll kind of start after the state tournament. You know, we have about two months left in the school year, after two and a half months um, after the state tournament. So it's about 10 weeks. We, we do a 10-week strength and conditioning plan. Uh, leading until the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll test them early and then we'll test them at the end to kind of show them where they've, uh, where they've made gains. And then we also have, uh, uh, we have athletics every day here in Texas. So we, uh, we also have them doing athletics for an hour and a half every day where we're able to do kind of the team, uh, basketball on court things during the, uh, athletic class period. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we go through the focus and that part of the off season. obviously, is uh, we want to kind of schedule around those guys' AU teams, but it's really just generally focused on getting bigger, faster, and stronger, not doing a whole lot of conditioning, uh, but more so getting stronger and uh, developing the skill and identity for the uh, upcoming season. Mm-hmm. And then once we get in the summer, like I said, we have those six weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of, you know, we're allowed to play in summer leagues here and summer camps. And we have uh, the, at the last few years, we've had the, the big uh, high school recruiting live period uh, with your high school team here, uh, which TABC, our, our state association runs. Okay. Where all the, the uh, Division One coaches all come in that weekend and you have, you know, 300 semi-teams from the state of Texas all kind of under, uh, not one roof, but uh, multiple facilities within, sure. you know, a, a small radius. Mm-hmm. Uh, Where does that radius. usually take place at? Uh, Duncanville. Uh, Duncanville Fieldhouse is okay. kind of the hub for it. And then uh, Duncanville High School. Okay. I've heard of uh, it. has like seven, seven courts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Combined between those two, and then all the surrounding courts, I think you know that's the, that's what it is, and that's kind of like the the peak and pinnacle of uh, or the, the finish as far as the high school summer uh, uh, program goes for us. And so, like I said, we spend a lot of time on uh, strength, and at that time, that's kind of like the time where the AU teams kind of taper off a little bit mm-hmm. uh, in June. So that's when we kind of rev up. Our uh, conditioning part of the strength conditioning, you know, we'll, we'll spend um, 30 minutes of those uh, 
two hours a day that we're able to do strength and conditioning. We'll spend 30 minutes of those um, out on the track, you know, doing plyometrics, uh, sprints, um, explosion things, things of that nature, just to kind of uh, get those guys back in form and get them kind of prepared for that live period at the end of the month. Uh-huh. And then um, as far as the weight room goes, our, our, we've switched it up this year. We uh, In the off season, we, we live four times a week, uh-huh. Monday through Friday, or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, depending on sure. how the week goes. Uh-huh. Um, the first day we do uh, lower quadrant, uh, focus on lower quadrant. And uh, each time we lift, we try to split up things in four quarters. Um, the lifts in four quarters, you know, a, a different lift each quarter and then a, a superset for each lift. Um, and then, you know, we try to add the ad work in there also. So four quarters uh, for four days. So lower quadrant on day one, uh, upper quadrant on day two. This year we did isometric uh, stabilization on day three. Uh-huh. And then that fourth day is uh, either an Olympic day or uh, added CrossFit um, oh, okay. on that last day too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just kind of tricking the uh, tricking the guys, tricking <laughs> the body. Yeah, tricking the body into to, to doing different things. I think mm-hmm. it's been very beneficial this year. It's probably one of the better off seasons that we had. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are you guys uh, like tracking attendance or shots, or do you do, you do anything uh, along those lines to? Uh, you know, just kind of see the progression of, of certain fellows along the way. Yeah. Um, this summer we did a, uh, well, not this summer, I'll take that back. We tried to do uh, um, a 10K shot, um, shot, shot challenge, 10,000 shot challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually ordered shirts and stuff for it too. Yep. For the guys that actually did it. And uh, I gave them a month to get up 10,000 shots. Uh, they had to keep track of it. Every day, a coach had to either see it or uh, had to have proof. Like maybe on the shooting machine, they'll send it to the coach mm-hmm. and uh, keep a, a running tab of it uh, during on uh, like a Google Docs form mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, just kind of reach that. We only really had one kid that really kind of completed that. But uh, yeah, we we do we do track shots. Uh, it's it's easier to get more shots up. In the summertime, um, in the preseason before uh, official practice began, we wanted them to get up and make at least uh, 250 a day because uh-huh. you have less time because we're in school. So we use kind of the same Google form to track that as well. So, gotcha. and as far as attendance goes, uh, we we do uh, we do track attendance. We we keep uh, uh, attendance sheet every single day. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Demarcus James, head boys basketball coach, Fort Worth High School or Fort Worth OD Wyatt. Uh, where's the OD Wyatt come from, by the way, coach? I was curious about that. Oscar Dean Wyatt. Uh, I think it was a principal in Fort Worth. Okay. okay. Uh, back in the fifties, I believe. Gotcha. They named the school after him. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, head boys basketball coach at OD Wyatt. High School in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, Coach, thanks so much for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, good luck the rest of the year. Thank you. You too. Uh, If you could hold the line just a second here, um, we'll wrap up with a few things. Uh, Again, Demarcus James, uh, 
terrific coach at uh, in uh, down in Fort Worth, Texas. Here uh, again, go Green Wave in a couple of weeks here in the Cotton Bowl uh, against Southern Cal. Uh, follow uh, follow a pen and a napkin on Twitter at a pen and a napkin, and uh, we'll get out daily coaching stuff there. Uh, again, Cosac Chiropractic. If you're if you're in the Omaha area, check out Dr. Kevin and Dr. Heidi at 144th of Maple. Download, rate, and review this podcast. Uh, questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at penandanapkin at gmail.com. And check out a penandanapkin.com. A lot of really good coaching resources on the website there as well. So, uh, again, just a privilege and a pleasure to have uh, Coach James on here this week. Hope you folks have gotten a lot out of it. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.